Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. I owe Leslie Frazier, the Bills defense, Bills mafia, you, everyone who listens, an apology. Because last week, Nick, I was hammering the over, right? I was like, I was trying to convince you. I'm like, Nick, bet the over, bet the over, man. Remember last year? Oh, look at, look at all these high scores. These guys are always scored up in the 60s. 53 and a half, no problem. But I forgot this isn't, you know, it's not who's got the ball last. Not when you have a defense. Not when you have a defense. Not when you have Vaughn Miller. Not a stretch in the least to say that Leslie Frazier, Sean McDermott, and the Bills outcoached Andy Reid in the Chiefs. More on that coming up in just a little bit. But first and foremost, it's the Bills Wire podcast. And how about them Buffalo Bills, huh, Nick? They go into Kansas City. They frustrate and fool Patrick Mahomes into a game-sealing interception. And honestly, some of the worst throws I've ever seen him make. We'll get into it. But Von Miller making his presence felt with two sacks, including a monster play on third and six that gave Josh Allen the ball. Then, of course, Josh goes superhuman on the final drive, hurtling defenders, leading the Bills to the go-ahead touchdown. I mean... Life has to be pretty good for Bills fans in Western New York right now. Yeah, Ryan, good to uh, chat with you after a uh, Bills win and, you know, probably their biggest one on the, the year thus far. It might be the biggest one the entire year. I think we could maybe even confidently say that. Um, yeah, a big performance by the Bills defense, uh, equally matched on their, their offense, you know. I mean, a uh, couple touchdowns for Josh Allen. Um, it, it, even Dawson Knox popped in with a, with a big one. Uh, he's been relatively quiet. Another good one from the offensive line and run game. Uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of things to hang your head on and feel good about in Western New York right now. That right there is, of course, the voice of Nick Wotton. He's the managing editor of the Bills Wire. Check out their stuff. They do a great job covering the Bills. And if you're new to the podcast, don't forget to hit subscribe for us. We do appreciate you, Nick. Let's just jump right into the show here. And I just thought, you know, from what do they call it, the mile high viewer, you know. 10,000 foot viewer, whatever the hell. I, don't, I never get that saying right. <laughs> but I, I, what, whatever it is from up top, it feels like the Bills kind of carried the torch out of the Arrowhead Stadium. You know, you know what I mean? Like Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, the Chiefs, like they've been the team. They've been the measuring stick. That stadium has been the place you have to go through to reach the Super Bowl if you're playing in the AFC. I mean, the last four AFC championship games have been played at Arrowhead Stadium, right? Chiefs haven't won them all, but the last four championship games have been played there. And now that streak is in serious jeopardy, right? Because the Bills have put themselves in position. And if you can believe it, we're already more than a third of our, the way through the regular season. So it's, it's hard to believe that we're already there. And it's interesting, right? I think if the Bills can finish this thing off, like they were in this position last year, right? Last year, they went into Kansas City. They thumped the Chiefs 38 to 20. They went to four and one. And the Chiefs at that point were a surprise two and three. And I think that week we came on the podcast and said, here we go. It's set up for you, right? And then some weird stuff happened. Like, I can't even explain the Jacksonville game, 9-6. to six. Like, what the hell happened there? That I went to Buffalo and saw the game against the Colts, Nick, where they got run over by that team. And then you lost that weird monsoon hurricane game to the Patriots where Josh Allen couldn't really throw the ball. And then you lost that overtime game against Tom Brady where they almost came back in the second half. 
But all of a sudden, you're seven and six. It's like, how did this happen? And obviously, home field advantage was off the table at that point. Now, here you are. You're five and one. You beat Kansas City again. Now, you have the upper hand on them again. The whole thing is like lined up for you to go finish the job this year and become that number one seed. And if they can do that, Nick, if they can just do what they didn't do last year and finish it and get that first round by and that number one seed, I think we're going to watch the Bills play in the Super Bowl for the first time since 1994. I don't see anybody, even Mahomes, coming into Buffalo and beating this team. I think the Chiefs are now trying to chase Buffalo, right? The uh, torch has been passed. And now, to me, it's just like, can you just finish the job in the regular season and get the number one seed? Be, do what the Chiefs do. Dominate the regular season, set yourself up for success in the playoffs, and then go win at home in the playoffs, right? Like, that's what the Chiefs do. I want the Bills to do that thing this year. And if they do, I think we'll be watching them in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, gr- uh, great take, Ryan. I can't can't disagree with you, but... Uh... You know, uh, as you laid out there, um, you know this 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 whole thing. You know, it's it's it could be over right now for me, you, the fans, and the the rest of the media and everyone. But that team in Orchard Park's got to remember it's not over for them. And I think uh, you know they have a they've had a core there for a while. They added a veteran piece, you know, in Von Miller, and um, you know they gotta they gotta be mindful of those things that happen. You know, I I always. These sorts of things always come to mind when, you know, we're putting together our preseason stuff, our, you know, Bill's schedule prediction um, for the 2022 season when the preseason hasn't even started. We haven't seen a preseason snap yet, you know. It was way too early, bold predictions. You got people sending the Bills to 17-0, and 16-1, and 15-2, and I'm I just like, you know, I, you know me, I like to throw a little tongue-in-cheek comment out there, but at the same time, it is for real that, I mean, this team did lose to the Jaguars last year, you know? They, they they did lose to the Dolphins this year. I mean, they are still going to be challenges ahead, and I know that we're going to look maybe ahead of the schedule a little bit later, but uh, it's, it's, I mean, the Bills have to just keep in mind that, you know, this, this, this isn't, this isn't, you know, this is far from over, if you will. I mean, it's crazy to think, like you said, that a third of the season's already over. That means there's two more of those left, though. And uh, there, 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 could, there could be a couple more losses, and, you know, this is just, they, they don't pay me enough to go in there and, and tell them that, you know, they got to pay Sean McDermott and others enough to go in there and, and tell them that, you know, hopefully maybe we got a little bit of a sign of that too, though. Uh, you know, if you want me to, if you want me to throw a positive spin on that, I mean, you know, the, 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 the bills were, were, were churning along there playing pretty well. They were behind in the scoreboard and all of a sudden you got a, uh, a, you know, two minute penalty for tripping not called. And, uh, it was uh, a pretty brutal miss there. Uh, it seems like another brutal block in the back immediately on the punt that was just blatantly missed there, and everybody in the world seemed like they could see it. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it just what I'm getting at is, you know, the Bills were down there, and a lot of things are going against them. And, you know, this team, they did, to their credit, turn it around. And whether it was jumping over a, a, another guy or just a great touchdown pass into the end zone, you know, that the whole thing came together there for the Bills in the face of adversity, and hopefully they can just continue to continue to churn, uh, churn the uh, churn the old I don't know butter processed <laughs> juice or whatever. Uh, yeah, churn the old processed juice or processed butter or whatever the hell that Sean McDermott does over there, and just keep their eye on the prize because it's definitely a long way to go. And and I mean, just just the things that happen in the NFL, it's, it's just what makes this sport so great and why so many people love it. I mean, we just forget, too, like the Titans were so recently the number one seed. Like, the craziest things will happen in this league. So, hey, you know, I know everyone's, I know everyone's you know, tinfoiling up their Lombardi trophies right now for the uh, parade in downtown Buffalo. But <laughs> let's, uh, let's, let's, not, let's just keep it out of the eyesight of, you know, 
the Bills players and whatnot. You know, let them focus. They got a long way to go. Yeah, and I'm not saying they got to run the table because yes, I mean the Steelers beat the Bucks this week. What? Huh? How, how did that? Yeah. How? How did that happen, Nick? You know, so yeah, yeah so yeah. Uh, they don't have to run the table, but I just want to see them. I want to see what it looks like when they have the home field advantage. And uh, you know, they've won ten of their last twelve. The only losses in their last twelve games was to the Chiefs in last year's playoffs and that this one against Miami. And I think we all agree you could have won both of those games if you just did a few things better situationally. So just win these tough games, finish it off, hold off the Chiefs, be the number one seed. That's what I want. Uh, but I do have to say, I owe Leslie Frazier, the Bills defense, Bills mafia, you, everyone who listens, an apology. Because last week, Nick, I was hammering the over, right? I was like, you, I was trying to convince you. I'm like, Nick, bet the over, bet the over, man. Remember last year? Oh, look at, look at all these high scores. These guys are always scoring up in the 60s. 53 and a half, no problem. But I forgot this isn't, you know, it's not who's got the ball last. Not when you have a defense. Not when you have a defense. Not when you have Vaughn Miller. And the chess match between Leslie Frazier and Patrick Mahomes to make that happen and Andy Reid was really cool, right? I caught the uh, halftime report with Tony Dungy, and he was talking about how the Bills were kind of disguising their rushes and using a lot of three-man rushes. So, you know, you pay attention to that in the second half a little bit. And it's true. You see a lot of guys standing up around the line of scrimmage, not like hands-in-the-dirt type deal, disguising who's coming, a lot of three-man rushes. A lot, you know, that gives Vaughn Miller some flexibility on the outside. He can he can dip outside. He can dip inside. He's got more space. That seemed like it was working. It was kind of frustrating Mahomes a little bit. You got Matt Milano operating as a spy, and I think we saw in that game ceiling interception, Vaughn Miller creates pressure off the edge. Uh, Mahomes goes to scramble outside like he's so good at doing, Nick, and then Milano breaks on him, and he throws a, a bad pass that Taron Johnson picks off for the game, right? I mean, so what the Bills were doing, disguising their rushes, dropping eight in coverage, spying with Milano, all that stuff, it just it just worked. So huge kudos to uh, Leslie Frazier. I mean, he won the chess match versus Mahomes and Andy Reid, I think. Yeah, um, I mean, uh, Leslie Frazier is, I don't know uh, why he's with the Bills still. Um, why is he not he, coaching? Uh, like, you see some of the bad football across the league, like uh, Broncos Chargers on, on Monday night, Nick, and it's like Leslie Frazier. And I, and I think, you know, D'Amico Ryan's there in San Francisco, the defensive coordinator. Some of these guys, it's like, how are they not head coaches? But Leslie Frazier, yeah, top of the list. Yeah, yeah. For for me, it's probably some bias, but you know, I'm glad he's in Buffalo. Yep. Um, no, 100%. I, I don't know if he gets. I don't know if he gets. You know, I mean, we have some outside things. You know, that we don't have to touch on here about why uh, certain people don't get uh, with you know the Rooney Rule and that other crap. But um, you know, I think I don't know if his prior experience as a head coach comes against them, but at the same time, I'm pretty sure he made the playoffs in his first year as a head coach, and a lot of, how many coaches do we see come in the league that never make the playoffs? <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's quite the, quite the, you know, head scratcher, but yeah, he deserves a lot of credit. I mean, the, uh, I, the one thunder you took away from me, Ryan, with the Matt Milano spy, I mean, Matt Milano's been great um, just all throughout the year, and then I think that was kind of maybe a little bit of an adjustment where they started to do that a little bit more in the second half, but also, I think I saw somewhere that the Bills maybe blitzed Mahomes up, upwards of 10 times this year. And the Bills really aren't blitzing a lot this year. But it, I think in all their meetings against each other, the you know PFF-type analytics, like they, they blitzed Mahomes. I want to say it was 10 times, but that was the most times that they, they ever have blitzed them. And, um, 
you know, and, and, and or maybe they just they never blitzed them over 10 times or something like that it was. But, uh, yeah, and whatever it was, I mean, they were bringing some heat at times, too. They were mixing things up. And, you know, these two teams have seen each other how often. You, you can't think Mahomes was going, oh, yeah, they're going to blitz us. We've got to be ready for that. They probably weren't ready for that at all, you know. It's, I mean, who would be? You, you, these two teams have played each other like five times in like two and a half years, you know. It's almost like they are in the AFC East. The Chiefs, it feels like, right? But uh, it's, uh, yeah, Leslie Fraser to, Fraser, to your point, I mean, the, the guy schemed up a, a great, um, along with Sean McDermott, too, you know, this is his defense as well. And But Leslie Frazier is the guy, you know, uh, he's out there holding the sheet, making those play calls uh, just throughout the uh, throughout the game each and every week. And, I mean, what, what, a, what a great job against, uh, you know, that my grade wasn't great for the Bills secondary, you know, and when you got um, – Juju Smith Schuster and Travis Kelsey over two more over 100 yards each, so 200 yards each. And those are good players. Pat Mahomes is a good player. They're going to get theirs, but, uh, you know, we're used to them actually getting theirs being way more than 20 points in a game and, and uh, you know, way less than those two in, ugly interceptions for, for Mahomes. And yeah, uh, plenty of kudos to the Bills players and uh, Leslie Frazier. Yeah, th- those were ugly. Like, those are some of the worst throws I've ever seen a make, Nick. Like, those, those are so bad. Like, and we, we talked about the second one, and that was just scheme. That was just Milano coming off, you know, just like really, it almost worked out like a delayed rush. You know, uh, Miller flushes him out, and Milano comes, you know, he's spying, and he just runs at him, and, and Mahomes like, ah, and throws it. And you get, the, you get the turnover. And then the first one, early in the game, you know, Mahomes is like probably the best escape artist in football. I, I mean, I know Josh, it looks better, and it's way cooler when Josh Allen does it, but Mahomes with his little scrambles on third downs and fourth downs, like he's just the best at it, man. It's just because you, you almost, he, he does it so often and people still it seem like on defense that they're not ready for it. Well, the bills did a good job. Now Mahomes still scrambled for some f- first downs in this one. I remember one on fourth and two that, um, you know, it just popped in my head as I'm talking here, but I think for the most part, the bills did a good job being cognizant of that. And that first interception Mahomes is doing his little thing. He's scrambling to the outside like he always does. He's going to run down the sideline, and the Bills cut him off. And Mahomes, what does he do? He goes backwards. He takes a step back, then throws off his back foot, and it's a horrible throw and an easy interception for Elam, right? So just the, the little stuff that the Bills did, just cutting off those, those escape routes and forcing Mahomes to look mortal. Like, he, he, look, he looked terrible on some of those throws. And, and, you know, usually we're just all like salivating over everything Mahomes does, right? Like a sidearm pass. It's going to be on ESPN for the entire week. Well, let's see these interceptions and let's give the Bills defensive credit because they forced them into some some awful throws. And, and another thing that Frazier did, Nick, is he kind of left Tremaine Edmonds and Milano in the open field on their own, right, in space. And they delivered. They were pretty shorthanded. They were ta- they were tackling. Ed- Edmonds led the team in tackles. You wrote on Bills Wire that... Milano was making plays all over the field. So Frazier really left those two in the middle of the field, let them, let them kind of eat, let them cook a little bit. And it, and it worked and it worked. So the front seven of the bills, no complaints there, no complaints there at all from this ball game. From this, I'll just say this, uh, this maybe a little bit of a teaser later. Um, Give it no to complaints me. in this ball game and very few complaints throughout the first uh, five, six weeks of the, of the year, Brian, yep. <laughs> yep. Those, those, those two guys, that front seven, Love it. I, I love it so far. So good. Okay, so I have a little fantasy football question. I'm going to throw it, Nick, here coming up next. Devin Singletary, is he a must-start going forward? He looked pretty good in this ballgame. We're going to get into that and some other topics here coming up in just a little bit. But first, let's set our fantasy lineups with the huddle.com. 
This is the Typico Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. Ori Benini with TheHuddle.com here to bring you strong plays for week number seven. Indianapolis Colts quarterback Matt Ryan at the Tennessee Titans. Regardless of what happens with this banged-up backfield, the smartest way to attack this vulnerable defense is through the air. Ryan evidenced this in Week 4 by logging 359 yards, two touchdowns, and 25.4 fantasy points. The Titans have surrendered at least 317 passing yards in four straight games, and every quarterback to face this defense has tossed at least two touchdown passes. No quarterback has thrown more than one interception in this time. Cleveland Browns running back Kareem Hunt at the Baltimore Ravens. This matchup favors pass-catching backs far more than it does those who make their living on the ground, like Hunt's backfield mate Nick Chubb. This is the number six opponent for receptions allowed and number eight for aerial gains over the past five weeks, though none of the 28 total catches since week one found the end zone. The downside here is that Hunt has no more than three catches in five straight games, including none last week, and he topped out at four grabs for 24 yards and a touchdown back in week one. He's somewhat risky, but the upside's tremendous. Wide receiver DJ Moore versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Once again, quarterback PJ Walker steps into the starting lineup this week, and he has a small sample size of targeting Moore. In Walker's 2020 start, he threw 31 times, sending 11 Moore's direction, and the duo connected on 7 of them for 127 yards to pace the team in targets and yardage. Last week, 6 of Moore's targets came from Walker. Tampa's given up the 10th most catches per game to wide receivers in the last 5 weeks, and the position has averaged a touchdown per game over that time. Gerald Everett, Los Angeles Chargers versus Seattle Seahawks. Despite seeing seven looks in week six, Everett's second highest total on the year, it produced only 29 yards on five receptions. While it looks like LA will get Keenan Allen back on the field this week, there's a silver lining here to be found in the matchup itself as Everett's former boss has allowed the most fantasy points to tight ends in the last five weeks. No team has given up more yardage and this is the third best opponent to face for the odds of scoring a touchdown. Like Kareem Hunt, he's risky, but there's definitely upside at play here. For more award-winning fantasy football tips, news, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, Nick, we had to indulge ourselves with some uh, Christian McCaffrey trade rumor talk last week in this segment. So I want to flip it around now this week. Devin Singletary, Devin Singletary. If you have him on your fantasy football team and you put him in your lineup last week against the Chiefs, you're probably pretty happy, right? He was involved in the passing game. He was excellent carrying the football. Felt like he was getting six, seven yards a pop every time he was physical. He looked really good out there. I'm wondering, Devin Singletary, is he still like a fringe guy in fantasy or is he like a must start now? Is he like an every week running back to maybe low end running back to high end flex type of guy in fantasy football? Like if you have Devin Singletary, you just are you putting him in your lineup and saying he's going to get you something every week? Are you are you worried about at all about James Cook? Because he seems like he's Cook is getting more involved, but Singletary still looks like he's the guy. Well, uh, the only thing, Ryan, going to expose us again for our conversations off the air. I'm not I'm not mad at either one of us talking too much. You're taking my thunder, man. I was just going to say. <laughs> I feel like I've been doing verbatim, it all, all show. Sorry. Verbatim. I was going to say, no, perfect point by you. Low end two, 
flex option, I think that's perfect for Devin Singletary right now. And to his credit, that is higher than his ceiling was before. Uh, the, the start of the year, I wouldn't have taken the only Bills running back. I will give another one of my personal secrets out, Ryan. Uh, Moss. One of my. <laughs> Uh, well, not that bad. Um, but, uh, one of the I, I went with James Cook in one of my leagues, just like a late flyer. I'm like, ah, eh, maybe in later in the year, he'll uh, after a couple weeks, he'll he'll start to get a shot or two. Nope, uh, five six games in now, and uh, we're seeing it's a Devin Singletary show. I think you know if you need him, if you're if you're looking at your lineup and and you got Devin Singletary, and you're like, should I go? him or like a wide receiver or something for flex this week because bye weeks are now hitting us in the NFL and fantasy football. I would be confident in going to seven, seven Singletary in that situation. I'm not going to say running back one. Whoa, whoa. Let's slow down there. Uh, we still got Josh Allen. We still got some weeks where the, um, you know, short range passing game is going to be the way the Bills are going to attack a quote unquote running game. Quick snap to Josh Allen, throw to Stephon Diggs. Those are going to take away, weeks like that are going to take away carries from Devin Singletary. But, um, yeah, um, he is having a heck of a last two games. And I, you know, I would be a silly old, um, you know, football writer who, you know, he's never played in the NFL, doesn't know anything, if I didn't say this. Uh, the offensive line is playing much better the last two weeks. I wrote that in my stock up, stock down piece, which I know everyone listening with the Bills wire in red. Of Stock up, shameless plug as usual. Um, I, I I know everyone read that the offensive line. I mean, I wrote first time in goodness how long that back to back weeks the Bills offensive line has had good, good to great games. I mean, the only time Allen he, he got he got he got bumped. You know, he, he he does it to himself sometimes, and he can stand in the pocket and take a hit. You know, he wasn't under duress a ton in this game. Uh, I didn't think at least, and the only sack. Again, that they had, you know, Chris Jones should have been two minutes in the box for tripping. Uh, that was the only sack that the Chiefs ended up recording on the day. And, yeah, Devin Singletary, he's just – I think he definitely deserves some credit. I think he's hitting the hole. Boom, boom. Nice, good, quick. That's what he's got to do. That's what gets your average up. But he's getting – he's finding area and space. And um, coming into the league, people forget, you know. I, I know this is the one thing that made James Cook a little confusing to me that, um, you know, I, I know – this, just the selection of him, Ryan, is that he is going to be a pass catching back. But one of the things that Devin Singletary has worked on and worked on and worked on throughout his career is being that pass catching back throughout his college career. Um, man, where did he go to school? Somewhere in Florida, I think. I can't remember. But he, he, he was not a uh, pass catching back. I mean, he was a hand it off and go back, and he had to really work on that. And he's really honed that in that he can, if he's not getting the carries, he's getting a couple catches a game, too. So, I mean, that was something, again, a couple of years ago, I remember the Bills got from there, like, well, this guy, you know, he's, he's small, can he last in the NFL, can he, you know, um, catch the ball, can he, is he just, you know, a, a one-trick pony, if you will, and uh, he, he's turning out to be way more than that. I, now, future casting, he is in a contract year, his rookie year is up, uh, his rookie contract, excuse me, is up after this year, doesn't have an extension yet, uh, you know, the Bills are getting to that area up there. I don't want to say rebuild, but of course, you know, they're not in a rebuild. They're Super Bowl, perennial Super Bowl <laughs> contender right now, Ryan. But you yeah, have yeah. you have him, you have Tremaine Edmonds, who's coming up in the last year, you, you know, and then they started extending guys like Ed Oliver, got Jordan Poyer. You know, there's going to there some tough decisions are coming up. So it makes me think that maybe this is the last year we're going to see Devin Singletary around. But, uh, you know, if, if you're looking going forward for this fantasy football year, again, you said 
low end two back, you know, I'll even go two back at times, you know, depending on the matchup. If you're like me and you look at those matchups and, you know, you're facing the 32nd rank, you know, defense against a running back and it's between Singletary and somebody and Singletary facing 32, of course, go with him, guys. Come on. I don't have to tell you that. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I think uh, I think going forward, I mean, this offensive line, they are giving him space. and I, you just You really love to see it. Yeah, I love Singletary. And, uh, you know, if he has to go elsewhere next year, Nick, let's just hope he has a big fat ring on his finger as he as he moves on to better, better, bigger and better yeah, things. Yeah, I guess, no. If there are better things. <laughs> Great in Buffalo. point. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I have Singletary. I have him in like a kind of a deep dynasty league where there's multiple flex spots. And uh, I, I'm putting him in my flex spot every week right now. Uh, I think he's that guy. Love him. And, and just a side topic on one of the things you said, Nick, uh, if uh, Chris Jones did that to Tom Brady, tripping him like that, he'd be uh, arrested. He'd be arrested for doing that. But because <laughs> I was, was going to say he'd be in, he'd be in jail. I, <laughs> yeah, said, yeah, I yeah. was going to go a step further. <laughs> We're finishing each other's uh, sentences for sure. Yeah. Uh, this week. Yeah. All right, question number two, though. Let's move on. Um, is it time to take Brian Dayball's Giants seriously in the NFC? It's the bye week here, so we can have a little bit of fun, Nick. Uh, Dayball is having himself a time over in East Rutherford, coaching the Giants. Daniel Jones is suddenly playing the best football of his career, right? The Giants, for years, they could not score any points. They couldn't. And now they're scoring. And, and they could have had it in the 30s this week if Saquon Barkley ran into the end zone, but he smartly slid down and ran out the clock. He could have had an easy touchdown there. Could have got over 30 points. So the Giants are scoring. They're 5-1. and one. Brian Dayball is like the king of, uh, I can't say king of New York. Sorry, Dawson Knox. I saw your tweet. Yeah, can't, can't say New York. I know it's New Jersey, whatever. But uh, Dayball's having himself a time. Giants fans are loving this like little rebirth they have. It's like a football, you know, football renaissance there for the Giants. And Dayball's right in the center. So is it time to take Dayball and those Giants seriously, Nick? Well, I mean, I've been saying for a few weeks, no. But uh, I mean, you look at their upcoming schedule, Ryan. How can you say anything? They're gonna they're gonna have a really that. good record in a few weeks. They are. They are going to have a really good record. I mean, you got Jacksonville at, at Jacksonville, at Seattle, then their bye week. As long as they split those games, they are at worst 6-2 and two heading into their bye week. And then after their bye week, you have Houston at home and Detroit at home. Got a couple of, you know, their, their schedule is backloaded with divisional games like I think a lot of teams are nowadays, you know, just to kind of get the uh, playoff juices flowing early, I think, for teams. But, I mean, after that, you know, Dallas is going to be tough, you know, but you still got Washington in that division, which, you know, is um, hilarious when the coach is like, what's the problem with the team? And he just goes quarterback. <laughs> it's like, wow, Ron Rivera, that's really bold. <laughs> that, was a, the rest of the, that was hilarious. Like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, and then, I, I mean, then just the chef's kiss uh, spin zone on that after. It was like, okay, bud. <laughs> Seriously. But, uh, Freaking, yeah, what a dumpster yeah, fire yeah, over there. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, at worst, I mean, when you're at five and one and you split and you, you go five hundred at worst in those games, I mean, that's the team pushing for the playoffs now. You know, they're going to be in the playoffs question, and you know, I think Brian Dable really, you know, he does deserve a little bit of a uh, little bit of uh, credit there for for changing around the culture and stuff because you know those guys in the locker room. The one thing I noticed. Um, you know, I saw Dexter Lawrence and, uh, and uh, another guy or two, the, the rookie there. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Thibodeau. Yeah, Kayvon. Kayvon, Thibodeau. Yeah. I was going to say Thibodeau, but I was like, no, that's the Knicks coach. But uh, I guess I was, you know, I guess it's one and the same. Um, but uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, those guys are giving answers in the locker room that are 
eerily similar to the ones that you would hear in Buffalo, uh, you know, when Sean McDermott just just came along. And uh, I think you're going to see a similar thing if Dable lasts there long enough, uh, where that's going to turn into, uh, you know, now the Bills are saying, you know, the outside noise. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.